Hi, I'm Brian Donahue, your One-Legged GM. This is the second in a two-part series of panels that I hosted while I was the literary guest at Grand Rapids Comic Con in 2021. This panel was titled Self-Publishing for Fun and Maybe Profit. Thank you so much for your support. Enjoy the show. One minute after we're going to start. So, uh, I am Brian Donahue. This is self-publishing for fun and maybe profit. If I remember what goofy title I called it. Um, we're a small crowd, so we are going to be very informal today. If you have a question, raise your hand. I'm going to give you my perspective on what I do and what works for me and maybe some thoughts on what can work for you. If your experience is different, that's fine. That's great because it's a really big, weird world. So a um, little bit about me to start with. I have been actually. I, it's in the books. It's in the books. This is actually the first fiction that I wrote. I'm going to read my author biography because it is crazy and varied. It's the correct author. Huh? It's for the right author. So yes, cool. yes. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> hope so. I did proof these books, so. So about the author, um, my name is Brian Donahue. For those of you who are late showing up, this is self-publishing for fun and possibly profit. Um, every word of this is true. Uh, early in his life, Brian decided he would try as many different jobs as possible. Well, it was his curiosity and low attention span that decided for him. He started in fast food and worked in sales, retail, used car, business to business, door to door, credit card processing, vacuum cleaners, and firearms. Brian has also been a security guard, police officer, armored car, vault manager, uh, and he was a youth pastor. All absolutely true. Uh, eventually, he decided he'd take the easy path, quote unquote, and become a writer. He was an idiot. Absolutely true. Uh, <laughs> Writing is not easy, but it turned out he was pretty good at it. People seemed to like his story, so he keep, kept telling them. Brian is a published author, fiction and nonfiction, game designer, graphic artist, web designer, consultant, trainer, ministry leader, multiple business owner. He's also happy married to his wife of over 20 years. Over 25 years now. Uh, Christina and father to six or seven kids, depending on the day. He even sleeps occasionally. That is also true. Uh, <laughs> every bit of that is true. I have been a self-published author from the start. I have three publishing imprints that I use, all of them for very different lines of books, um, nonfiction and fiction. My journey in publishing started out uh, about, um, well, 2009, actually. I started... Uh, a safety team ministry at my current church. Um, I'm still the head of safety at that church. Uh, in response to a couple things, after trying to start the ministry and trying to do what, um, trying to start from scratch and finding there were no resources available, I wrote my own book about my trials and troubles and how to do it what I thought the right way as a ministry, uh, as opposed to being bouncers, because Bouncers at a church door, not a good look. Um, <laughs> just saying. Um, that was, uh, like I said, 2009 was when, well, the that book came out 2012 or 13, I think. That was when I realized I had shopped the manuscript around. Nobody wanted to pick it up, um, which I'm actually glad nobody did pick that up because I would never have done self-publishing if they had. Um and when nobody picked it up, I had to figure out this was kind of early in the days of self-publishing, back when there was an awful lot of crap on the market. Um, 
because editing was uncommon, Ken self-publishing, graphic design was uncommon, layout was uncommon. Um, and yeah, that was there. So uh, I published myself uh, as a graphic designer. I laid it out, did the layout myself. I found an editor, and that is key one for self-publishing. We'll talk about that later. Um, and my safety, my church safety book, uh, What They Don't Tell You About Church Safety, is still usually found in the top 10 on Amazon in that very tiny niche. Um, so once I figured out that self-publishing was possible, I always wanted to write fiction. I wrote short stories in high school. I loved it. At the time, I was developing a role-playing game with a group of friends. We've been working on it for years. And I ran a campaign of which Simon was one of the characters, um, the beta testers, and the campaign was fun. It was about a group of monster hunters that, well, were way over their heads. Um, <laughs> they were sent on an easy mission, and it wasn't. Um, the game was, the story was fun. I wrote it down published it in 2015. People liked it, so I kept writing. And that's published the sequel in 2016. 2018 was the third and final book in that trilogy, which really ticked off a lot of people between them because for, uh, book two ended on a hard cliffhanger. So my fans had to wait for a year. I heard a lot of pushback on that and loved every bit of it. Um, so... That was uh, 2018 was the last book in the tril in that trilogy. 2019, we actually published the role-playing game. Um, yeah, it was 2019, yes. Uh, and since then, we've published, I've published more novellas and a bunch of game supplemental materials, working on more novellas and stories, version two of the game, and a bunch of other stuff. All of it has been self-published. Um, I've also written... Uh, I wrote, co-wrote a book on church photography sales for, with my dad, who was a photographer and a former pastor. Uh, and then through a lot of medical stuff, uh, I also wrote an autobiographical autobiography and, um, uh, and, I don't want to say self-help because that feels cheap, but it was a, it was a story about uh, how I ended up becoming the one-legged GM, um, and I call myself the one-legged GM because one of the third legs is way too long. Um, but it's about my story of of loss and finding hope in that loss. Uh, I am also now an amputee mentor at Mary Freebed downtown uh, for other amputees and a motivational speaker as well. Um, about finding hope. So that's my publishing foray. So that book, that book was published March 2nd of uh, that book, which is called Smile Like a Pirate, uh, was published March 2nd of 2020. I had several churches lined up where I was scheduled to go speak, and then 2020 happened. So <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, so that's where I come from. I am, yes, I'm a guest here, and this is the second time as a, as a literary guest here at Grand Rapids uh, Comic-Con. I've been a literary guest at other Comic-Cons as well. Um, I love doing what I'm doing, and I actually am to the point where I don't submit any manuscripts at all to uh, big publishers. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I make enough money that I don't have to do that. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we've gained some new new folks have walked in. Just to let you know, this is very informal. That's why I'm not behind the table, because you can't stand that. Uh, if you have a question at any time, speak up as we're talking. Um, we're just hanging out for about an hour. So um, that's my story. Most of my work has been self-directed, again, writing for the fun of it, and then figuring out how to sell it. Um, certain niche markets are 
great and going to be more successful on uh, like Amazon, um, other bookstores. And there is a way to do that and do it well. Uh, I am not coming to you as somebody who makes millions of dollars writing or even hundreds of thousands of dollars writing, but I make enough to live on. So there's some profit in that. Um, and there is a difference between, uh, well, let me step back. When you self-publish, there are several factors that will help sell your book and actually allow you to make money. And frankly, when you go to publish, if you're going to self-publish, if you're an author, if you're going to self-publish, um, you need to figure out if you're going to do it just to say you published something or if you actually want to try to make money and be a business at it. Because that's, there's a very different side. Anybody can self-publish anything at any time. It's actually really easy technically. If you want to make money at it, you got to do it well and you got to be a business at it. Uh, I know a lot of people who are, can tell great stories and aren't business people and make no money because of that. That's a shame, frankly. But there is an intentional part of this. And this is kind of what I'm going to be talking about today is being that intentional business person, that intentional marketing yourself, selling your books, that sort of thing, to try and make that, that potential that you have. Um, I should have asked this from the start is uh, who all here uh, is uh, a published author? Uh, Martin is back there. Come on in. So a couple, couple who have published. Who is um, currently writing a book and hoping to publish? <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, okay. So what I'm going to say, um, again, this is from my perspective. Take that as you will. Everybody has different methods. Um, but from my perspective, this is what it is. So if you're hoping to publish a book, uh, to, to self-publish a book, you need to be intentional about it. So just to make kind of sure we're, we're talking about the same things, there are two really, there are really two methods to, to publish. There's self-publish, which means you do a lot of the work yourself, or you hire out the work that you can't do and shouldn't do, frankly, <clears throat> editing. Um, <laughs> and, or there's traditional publishing, which uh, traditional publishers, you usually have an agent when you submit, they submit the manuscript, they uh, the traditional publisher handles most everything, uh, and I've not done that side, so I'm not going to talk anything about that side. I've heard about it from folks who have traditionally published, um, and if you have some questions, maybe some of the folks like Martin can actually answer those, maybe, if we have time. But from the self-publishing perspective, there is actually a third category. There's what's called out there vanity presses. <clears throat> Don't. Just don't. So a vanity press is someone who says they're a publisher and then makes you pay for everything. And then takes a portion of your profit. Don't do that. It's too easy to do it yourself to, to a vanity press. Because they lock you into contract. You get very little for the books you sell. You pay way too much for the books that you buy to sell at conventions like this or online. You make nothing of it. They're not going to give you an advance. Uh, or if they do, it's a really, really stupid, tiny one. But generally, they make you pay for everything. Um, here's a big hint. If you're approached by a publishing company and say, I want, we want to publish your book, but you need to pay for the editor or you need to pay for the cover art, run. Just run. It's fine. Now... As a self-publisher, you should be paying for an editor. You should be paying for a cover art if you can't do it yourself. Don't let a publisher make you pay for that. 
that's a vanity press. They're just, they're literally just taking money from your pocket. If you're doing all the hard work, you should get the most reward for it. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about the self-publishing side and really in the self-publishing side, there's kind of, uh, several steps in the process. First of course is to write your manuscript. That is a different process for everybody. That's a different time length for everybody. And I'm not going to talk about manuscript writing this, um, in this, because that's a totally different topic. Okay. Um, after you get the manuscript done to where you want it to be, usually called the first draft, <laughs> then there's editing. Okay. And editing is a stage where it is very important that you have an editor that is not you. <laughs> Human nature is we cannot do the best job editing ourselves get an editor involved. At this stage, there are several different types of editors. Some are developmental editors. They help you kind of find the weak spots in your story and help you develop those. There are, um, I missed some of the technical terms because my brain has been on sales all day. So bear with me. They're the, they're the, uh, the, the editors who Go through the, the proofread the, the document for look for grammar and punctuation and all the little English stuff that we all screw up. Um, and those are also very important, especially to self-published authors. Um, there are other types of editors out there. A lot of them are kind of a hybrid, hybrid between the two. My recommendation is to find one that likes your work, is not afraid to give you crap, um, and will work with you to develop your story the best, okay? An editor will cost you money. So I'm going to get this out there up front. You can self-publish cheap or free or well. You can either do cheap and free or well. You can't do both. I'm just telling you that right now. It's going to cost you money because you need a good editor. You need a good cover. That's another thing that's going to be coming up very quickly. You need some, to pay for some things because nobody can do it all. It's just the way it goes. So find a good editor. There are plenty out there. Um, there are some that a, an editor can charge you anywhere from a couple hundred bucks to a couple thousand dollars. Get reviews and ask them if you're if you're actually looking for an editor. If you're if you're going to be paying the editor, send them a small sample of your work. Say, edit this for me. Get the results. If you don't like what they did or they don't like your work, don't hire them. It's that simple. You need to be in charge of this whole entire thing. Again, at this point, you need to treat this, if you want to make money at this, you treat this as a business. So, um, Um, I've been told, by the way, that if we shut both doors, that yeah, that's when the whole starts. Yes, yeah. it's ugly. Both are just one. Sorry so, about that. Thank you for that, though. All right, so um, editors, find a good one who you can work with. They're going to work on it, and then you're going to start. Well, what will eventually become your final final version of your manuscript? Okay. Um, at that point, you need to be looking at cover design. You know the old saying, we don't judge a book by its cover? We all judge a book by its cover. Yeah. <laughs> that is how we buy books, by the cover. Um, and then we look at the inside, then we look at the, the back, then we look at the whether somebody's recommended it to us or not. A good cover 
will not guarantee a sale. A bad cover will guarantee a fail. I'll tell you that right now. Um, that's just the way it goes, especially in today's market when everything is visual. Um, you have, if you're on Amazon and you are not currently in the top rank, you have you have to catch somebody's eye. They have to like your book. They have to like your cover to click on it. Um, it's the only way it goes. My covers have gone through a lot of changes over the years. This, this as I said, is the first book in my series, uh, Incursion Nightmare. Um, I've had four different covers, I think, on this one. Um, trying to find good ones. Trying to find ones that fit the book, the style, and catch the eye. Okay. Uh, for this, unless, yes. So when you're making a cover with like uh, visually real people, do you have to pay the people to say like uh, post or pictures? Or, or you're either going, image? that's a good question. You're either going to buy, you're either going to pay for the model or you're going to buy stock photography of them where they have signed a model release. Okay. Now, for, for the side quest into stock photography pay for stock photography do not go to the free stock photography sites the free stock sites don't pay licenses for their stock they usually steal it or it's submitted it's stolen by somebody and understand something if your if your book takes off and someone recognizes their photo on there and they look to see they can find out where it was sold, and if you did not license that photography, that stock photo from a reputable source, they can sue you. That is the opposite of profit. <laughs> okay, so again, this costs money. I understand that, but this is the right way to do it. So don't don't use um, Pixa or some of those that are absolutely free. Because, well, I've seen too many authors, and I actually know authors who, indie authors especially, who did a cover. <clears throat> the picture was, they downloaded it from a free site. So they didn't have actual rights to use it. They had to pull the book and usually paid lawyer's fees and all this other, all because they didn't spend the... Well, let's face it, 10, 12 bucks for a decent photo. Or I have a subscription to uh, to a stock photo site where it costs me about 30 cents a photo. So, again, <clears throat> it's worth it, okay? But, yes, to answer your question, if somebody is appearing on the cover, make sure you have a Either you're buying reputable stock photography of it where they will have the model agreement on site or you get a model agreement from them. Okay. Don't just pull an image from Google. That's the fastest way to lose everything you have. Uh, and I know photographers who have had their images, found their images on books and things. I, I know a lot of people. I know a, lot, I, a wide variety of people. I know one photographer who did actually find his image on a book took the author for everything they had because they had sold a bunch of uh, over a thousand copies. And so congrats, they were done. So scary story, um, scary, true story. Cover art is important. If you can't do the art yourself, unless you are a graphic designer who does photos or does covers well, don't do the art yourself. <laughs> Pay someone to do it. The good folks out there, you can buy, you can actually buy what they call stock covers that once you license the image, you can use that and nobody else can have that image for their, from that company for their books. Those are out there for as low as say 40, 50 bucks for the cover. They're not always the best, but if that's what you can afford, that's better than something you cooked up yourself in Canva. I'm just saying that right now, okay? <clears throat> um, so, so editing, cover, 
then you got to figure out where and how you're going to publish. Are you just doing ebook? Yes. How many times should, uh, how many amount of rejections should we get before we go, okay, I'm going to do it myself? Uh, that is up to you. Uh, I, it took me two or three. Um, again, it's completely up to you. Uh, there are, I'm sure some have had more. Uh, again, you have to figure out what that point is for you. Uh, and if you can figure out why they're being rejected, that's even better. Um, but that's where you've got to go. So uh, I wish I had a better answer for you. It's completely subjective, right? Editing, cover, um, then where are you going to put it? Are you going to do ebook only? If so, who are you going to publish through? Where do you spread it? You do wide? Do you do uh, Kindle Direct or KDP, which is the uh, only Amazon version? These are choices that you have to make, and each one of them is a business choice with a very direct path. If you go narrow with, with KDP, <clears throat> you better be, you're, you're already saying at that point, you are focusing on ads, especially on Amazon, maybe Facebook, some of the other places where you're going to push them to Amazon to buy or to read if they're, you know, if they have the Kindle Unlimited. Okay. If you go what they call wide, so going wide means it's available across all kinds of ebook platforms. Uh, you can still be on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, iTunes, you name it. Uh, let's see. Nook is Barnes & Noble, all the library services. Uh, and for that, you can either go for each uh, each you can have an account with each individual one, or you can find an aggregate service. The biggest one there, and one of the best there, is something is one called Draft to Digital. Draft to Digital is one where you upload the book, and they list it on all of the services for you. They take a small percentage of every sale, but you don't have to maintain all of those individual accounts. I use them myself for. Everything but iTunes and Apple, okay? I was iTunes and Amazon. Um, I recommend them because they do it well. Uh, and they also provide some links that they can actually do universal links. Where you, when you pull up, uh, you can actually send out a link so that they can actually choose, okay, I want to buy this book on Amazon, and it takes them to the Amazon page. So uh, that is, so you can use an aggregator to do that. Every link in the chain is going to cost you money. It's going, to, it's going to cost you a percentage of your sales. Okay. So the key is to find the lowest percentage possible to retain the most profit because that's what business is. And that's where it gets fun because that means you actually get to play for, you know, you get to, you get to tell stories for a living, which is fun, legitimately. Um, so that's ebook. Then we go to print, and print is a very different beast. Uh, there are two ways to do. There are two ways to do print. You can either buy a print run, so you're going to pay upfront for a thousand, two thousand, three thousand copies. By the way, if you're doing a print run with a small press, your minimum is usually a thousand copies, times three or four dollars a book. That's a heck of an outlay. And then where are you going to store those books? <laughs> it's a problem. I used to have an office. <laughs> I have a desk in a storage room now. <laughs> Simon can tell you it's in between cons. It is kind of my desk and storage. That's fine. And that I didn't even do a big print run. That's just because I have way too much merch, way too many SKUs. So, uh, print-wise, you can do order from a small press um, and have them print it in, in a big batch. You'll pay less per copy there, but you have to buy more copies and you have to store them. Or you can do what's called print-on-demand. Print-on-demand, uh, Amazon, uh, 
Barnes and Noble and Ingram Spark are the three big ones in that realm. Okay. Say it again. Amazon, Barnes and Noble with their Nook service. It's still Nook or anyways, Barnes and Noble, you can find their print on demand there. Or there's a company called Ingram Spark. So Ingram Spark is the print on demand. Um yeah, Ingram is the print-on-demand imprint for um, for Ingram. The Ingram Group, I think, is the uh, I think is the group. It is a Ingram is who prints the publishers' books. They handle the big accounts. They handle the big catalogs that go to all the bookstores. They have a they have a smaller division that handles small publishers that have ten to twenty uh, titles, and they have Ingram Spark, which is perfect for uh, print on demand. Okay, they print soft cover, hard cover, uh, dust jackets. You have to figure out your strategy there. That is one where. Um, for me, I print with Amazon and Ingram Spark. I print with Amazon because when you print with Amazon, when you print with Ingram Spark, all the bookstores can order it from them. But Amazon says Amazon says it's two to three days to ship it, and it's not available for Prime. So I list it also through. Amazon. So it becomes prime and it's print on demand immediate and they get it within a day or two. It's a strategy. <laughs> it's a crazy strategy, but it's how it works. Um, so choose your print run. If you're going to do print, you do that. And by the way, if you're doing print and ebook, those are technically two very different covers. Okay. Ebook is just a front cover. Print is a wraparound cover. I'm going to make a recommendation. Do not take an ebook cover, it's just a flat cover, and try to make your own wrapper on the back. It won't match, it won't look good, and people will tell the difference. Okay? So have it all done at once. If you if you think you're gonna do print, when you do when you have your cover done, have them do a print ready cover, and you can chop the front for the ebook. I also do. Um, I also do layout and cover design for independent authors, and I've had too many authors send me, "Hey, by the way, my 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 cover artist. I, I did a cover artist. Can you do the layout? Uh, I did a. Here's my ebook cover. I don't have a back cover. <laughs> book doesn't look good. As we've already said, we all judge the book by its cover, right? So. Side note, I know. Um, so with print, and, and the further complication is with, with print covers, every company that does print on demand or just print period requires a different print cover format. Shaped differently, different dimensions, different space outside Ingram Spark. Provides a template, template with plenty of white space and stuff, and you have to stay in that template. Amazon gives you specific uh, dimensions, and they have to be to the millimeter, and they have to be with this, and they have to have this much spacing and this. Everything is very different between all of the cover general, all, all of the print runs. Okay, and if you're doing both soft cover and hard cover, and let's say soft cover, hard cover with a wrap. Now you have generated three different print files, all the different specifications. Gets a little complicated. So work with your work with your cover designer or work uh, if you're a graphic designer as well, cover designer as well. If you do your own, make sure you work and understand that. So that's the uh, that's the cover and the final real aspect before you really can upload anything. Is you have to decide on ISBN. 
the ISBN number is the, what's the letter stand for? International Service Business Number, I think, or book number. Anyways, it's the barcode on the back, okay? It's also the registry number. There's one company in the U.S. that handles ISBN numbers that is by law. So, by the way, if anyone says, hey, but, hey, you can buy ISBN numbers from this company for cheaper, you can't. They have bought a pack of ISBN numbers from Bowker, who is the, who is the company. They are reselling those, which is against Bowker's rules, and they get actually against federal law. And if Bowker figures it out, that ISBN number is pulled permanently, which means you still have to go buy another one from Bowker. Anyways, they sell them in ones, tens, hundreds, and thousands packs, or 10,000 if you really get ambitious. Um, price goes down tremendously as you go up in in numbers. Uh, one ISBN is $125. A 10-pack is $250. So it's $25 a piece. A 100-pack is like $500. So it's it really drops the more you buy. So if you're going to buy, if you're going to write more books, buy them in bunches. And every version of the book requires an, uh, every different version of the book requires an ISBN code. Uh, soft cover, hardcover, very different. They have to have different ISBN codes. Ebooks should have an ISBN code. You don't need to because most of the services handle those. But an ISBN can actually be used to track sales. So that's that's why you need them. You need to know. So you can either buy from Bowker or you can have Amazon create one Ingram Spark create one, pay less for it, but it's registered then. They become the imprint of record and not you. If you have one book and you're doing it for yourself and you just want to get it out there, does it really matter? No. Do the free option from Amazon, let Amazon register it, and have fun. If you're making this a business, keep it in your name because you're building that, that business imprint. You're building your you're building your brand. And by the way, that's the that's the key to making the profit side is you're going to end up building your author brand. Um, that's where you see <clears throat> Charlene Harris has a brand. What she does, you know, if it's a Charlene Harris book, that's what what she is, right? That's her brand. Um, I am the one-legged GM. That is my brand. One of my brands. <laughs> Um, you're building your brand with that. Once you assemble all of those factors together, then you can get them up on the web. And then that's when you have to start work to make the profit. Um, that's where we do the dirty little word called sales and marketing. <laughs> you're either doing ads on Facebook, Amazon, the web, whatever, or you're attending live events and or you're attending live events and or you're doing signings at bookstores. The key is to get your book out there in front of as many people as possible. The more people who see your book, the more people who buy your book, they tell a friend. That friend tells and spreads. Okay. Now, Sometimes we get really lucky and some people, you know, and it's worth it for some um, where they can get, they can catch a niche, they can catch the attention of somebody and all of a sudden their, their sales spike. And that's a very good day. <laughs> it's a very good day. But most oftentimes it takes a lot of work to do that, especially as a self-published if you have a publisher at your back and they really believe in your book, they can throw marketing dollars at it and they will promote you and they will, they will work with you. If you're self-published, it's all you. Now, me, I like that because I like, I like the freedom to do that. It's on me. If I sell or don't sell, it's on me. But also I get all the profit from it. 
So, um, and that, when it comes to business, profit is the key because that's what allows you to write for a living and not just write as a hobby. Um, that's where you're at as, as profit and acting as a business. So I personally don't do a lot of ads. I'm not an expert in that. I'm not going to even deign to talk to you about that. There are a lot of really good books out there, a lot of really good groups out there that can help you with ads. I recommend those. I just haven't done it myself. Okay. My niche, my expertise really is in live events, especially things like comic cons or, uh, you know, conventions. So con season, I love con season. Legitimately about half of my income is from con season. Okay. That's where I shine. And that's where to make the money to, to get into this stuff, it helps to get into it. So, um, with con with conventions, with selling at conventions, especially look at, there's a lot of things you need to look at. One of those is you have to manage it like a business. Don't come spend all the money in the world, buy all the books, do all that and get ready to go and not do anything to do it as a business because that's the fastest way to go out of business. Okay. Cost is important. If costs are low and your sales are high, you actually make money. That's the profit area. If cost is high, sales are low. That's the, oh crap, I'm going to have to you know, sell my car. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, so starting out as a self-published author, a lot of times you're actually going to, uh, I really recommend, especially at like a Comic-Con like this, getting into an artist alley. That's where the lower cost tables are. Um, last time I looked, they were about $125 for the table for the weekend. Um, as opposed to the 10 by 10, which is four to $500 or more, depending on where you're at corner or whatever per weekend. Okay. Uh, and that's for a bigger con and some really silly smaller cons. A lot of the smaller conventions though, you can actually go to for, um, 30 or $40 for the table. Kogan con in Grand Haven. If you're, if you get there at $30 for a table, if you connect with people, sell a few books, you can make that, you know, you can at least cover your costs and get known out there. But you have to get to the point where you're watching your costs legitimately. Um, that's where the business part comes in. That's where the profit, the potential profit comes in. Uh, I've made some, step back when you're doing that and the business side of things, um, especially at conventions or live events and by live events, I mean, contacting bookstores saying, Hey, I'd like to do a book signing at your store. How do we do that? How do we get into that? You know what? A lot of the local stores love that because it's a way to get people in. Okay. And a lot of those, the local stores support indie authors. So that's another great way to sell some books and get, you know, sort of trying to gain an audience. Um, but always watch your costs. One of the other big factors is for selling your books, understand what your market is. If you're selling sci-fi geek related something at Comic-Con is a perfect place to do that. I'm not sure I, well, I know I wouldn't try to sell computer manuals here, <laughs> right? Um, I'm not even sure I'd want to push for historical fantasy. Well, historical fantasy might do it. Historical fiction, iffy, uh, and I've seen some classic literature, some, some more of the, the literature style genre just not go over well at a geek event. Okay. So understand your niche. So when it all comes down to making the profit, it's 
treat it like a business. Understand your costs. That's part of treating it like a business. Understand your costs. Do it right. Try to do it right the first time because every time you screw up, it costs you money. So it does. Um, and then get in front of as many people as possible. Your niche will determine where you sell best and how you sell best. And then you have to become the best you can be at reaching out and doing that, whether that's through marketing, whether that's through face-to-face. And wherever you're at, you got to do it to the best of your ability. It's only through the hard work that you can turn the fun, the, the self-pub for fun, into the self-publishing for profit. It's the hard work that's required. Um, where are we at time-wise? Yeah. So I've now rambled for about 45 minutes. We're going to open up to questions. I know I've been, I've bounced and bounced and bounced. There's a reason my, my published, my overarching company is called, it's actually called ADOS, Attention Deficit Ooh Shiny, because I ramble. So, um, and I just have no attention span. So, um, let's go ahead and take some questions. Uh, any questions? Um, I was just wondering, I know it's kind of different for me, but I'm trying to get my poetry out there. Okay. Um, and probably could ask you this afterwards, but I was wondering if you had a card, maybe I could ask you questions. Yes, and I did not bring my actual business cards with me. I brought a bunch of my, I call them, well, we, there we go. Thank you. So one of the ways that we are different, a lot of authors call these, a lot of authors call these an author card or a business card. Um, an author card is basically a link to all of your social media, your contact, maybe a link to a free, free book. Yes. My cure, my, my code, my card has a QR code for a free book. Um, short story, really. We branded a little bit different. So if you're walk, if you walked by uh, guest out guest row at some point this weekend, one of my team reached out to you and said, "Hey, want a super tiny book?" It is a tiny vampire book on the front cover. And for those of you, I will give you guys one of these at the end. The super the tiny vampire book says, "I hunted the vampire. I found the vampire. Oh crap! I'm now a vampire." The end. <laughs> That's our super tiny book. But the reaction that you guys gave is the reaction that I want because I get you to talk to me. Con sales 101. If you're not talking to the, to the, if you're not talking to the customer, they ain't buying from you. Con sales 101. So I do have these. And if you, if you meet me back in my booth, I do have, if anyone wants, I actually have some business cards with my personal email on it. I will absolutely give it to you at any point. Um, so I will have these as well up here. Uh, as far as poetry goes, I know nothing about publishing poetry and I'm not going to pretend I do. So I'm sure a lot of what I'm saying still applies, but there are probably other groups that can do that and they can help you with that, um, or other experts. So, um, Question. Yes. Uh, Grand Rapids Regional Writing Group does have a poetry subgroup. Thank you. Um, Grand Rapids Regional Writing Group. Yeah. All right. So, um, and actually, that brings up a great point. There are regional and national groups that will help you do the author thing well. Um, and if you follow their advice, generally, you actually will make money. One of those is 20 bucks to 50K. Um, 20 books to 50K. The idea, the general idea is if you have put out 20 books, at some point you're going to be reaching $50,000 a month in income. I'm sorry, $50,000 a year in income. So it's it's 20 books to 50K. Uh, Craig Martell is, is one of the leaders of it. It's fantastic. It's a, biz, it's a Facebook group that is designed for writers who want to do business. Okay? So it's, it's not necessarily how do you write a better story. It's all about how do you make money as a writer. Um, that's a fantastic group. 
because there's no crap in there. <laughs> they don't put up with it at all. Um, that's one of the, that's one of the ones I really recommend. Um, uh, questions? Uh, yeah, for uh, cover art, what are the best places to look for cover artists for like certain genres or styles? Um, there are a couple of Facebook groups that are for authors who are looking for cover artists, especially in the kind of the, the, um, you know, you got the starting level pricing because really good cover art by really well-known artists will cost you really a lot of money compared. You got to make a lot of sales to make up that money. Um, and that's the downside. That's the, that's the, the, the truth of the matter. So that's, that's kind of what that, that is, but um, I would do a search for uh, if you're doing a Google search, I would do a Google search for stock covers for and then insert your genre sci fi, horror, whatever. You'll find some websites, go through and look, check for prices. A lot of times, you can find decent cover art for a hundred to two hundred dollars uh, in that range. And like I said, make sure that when you from that site that they actually pulled out from their website and that you are the only author who gets that that art because I've seen some really shady folks from all right another key rule here don't use Fiverr <laughs> don't use Fiverr it's tempting but most of the time they are pulling from the free photo deposits we already talked about that, so don't use Fiverr. Um, and yeah, I, I just a rule of thumb: don't use Fiverr. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, does that help a little bit yeah. at least? Okay. Um, any other questions about sales or um, converting from? Great, I've now got a man. I now got a manuscript to. How the heck do I get it anywhere? So, any other? Yes. What programs do you recommend for making you know, a, a book wrapper? Great question. Um, I'm a graphic designer, so I use, well, I use several. For the interior, for the manuscript itself, I use Scrivener. I love it. It works for my writing style. Um, for interior layouts, if it's a novel or something without any pictures in it, uh, I actually use Vellum. It's a Mac program. It's a Mac-based program. Vellum, V-E-L-L-U-M. It's a Mac-based program. It's Mac only, um, and it's pricey, but it takes a Word doc manuscript, drops it into chapters and everything, and applies consistent styles, and I can output both print and all the various ebook formats all at once very quickly. Uh, for the covers, very specifically, I use Photoshop. Uh, it's my it's my go-to uh, cover program. Frankly, I use Photoshop for way too much for a lot of what it's not supposed to be used for. I mean, Photoshop is pretty. I, I very often swat a fly with a nuke with Photoshop. If I'm doing a simple, like even a simple table, I can do it faster in Photoshop than I can do it in any other program because I know it. So Photoshop, uh, if I'm doing a layout for like my, uh, for an RPG that's got a lot of interior art and, you know, all the charts and everything, that's when I hit InDesign. Um, because it's the standard, just is. Um, nothing of what I use is cheap, but then again, it works. <laughs> That's the thing. This, yeah, yes, yes, you do. Yeah. So, uh, did that answer your question? So, Scripter is good for formatting the book as a whole. 
Scrivener, no, Scriver, Scrivener is, uh, it's Scrivener, uh, S-C-R-I-V-E-N-E-R. It is what I use to do the writing and research in. And it is, it's an awesome program that actually allows me to uh, corkboard style the, the chapters so I can lay them out. Not that I ever use that because I write linear. But I can go to a specific chapter without scrolling down through hundreds of pages of Word. Don't use Word. <laughs> now, here's the say. Word is often used by editors to do to track changes. So you just have to understand. Well, for a lot of the editors, they use, they use Word. So track changes, um, you can do that. But I do all my writing in Scrivener. Um, so Scrivener is my writing, and I can, in their research folder, I can have live websites, I can throw in PDFs, I can drag and drop pictures, I can do whatever I need to in, the, in that. It helps my writing flow. Um, and it's available across all the platforms, including uh, tablet. So, <clears throat> any other questions? Yeah, you mentioned uh, percentages from uh, things you use. What's the best percentage, low wise, to get? Of all of it. For, for like okay. overall, like I have percentage I pay here, they take this percentage of overall. What's the most <sighs> that we could probably hope for? <laughs> um, really, I don't know that I can answer that as an overall thing. Okay. Look at you have to look at what they take out. Um, so uh, draft draft to digital takes, oh man, I wanna say 10 to 12%. So it's a very low percentage of the sale, okay? And the ebook, there's no other cost, legitimately. Um, now, keep in mind, you throw an Amazon, uh, an ebook on Amazon, there's a cost from Amazon. So when draft to digital throws a, throws an ebook on iTunes or Amazon or Nook or all of that, all of those, all of those services. So let's say you have a $5 ebook. Okay. If it's on Amazon, however it gets to Amazon, Amazon is going to take $1.50. Yeah. That's probably that's, 30%. Yeah. 30%. If you're at the right tier, yes, 30%, um, assuming it's not too big and bloated. That's a whole other issue. Uh, so that 30% is always going to come off of that sale. And then whoever it's through, so if it's through draft to, draft to digital through Amazon, Amazon gets their 30, draft to digital gets their 10 or 15 or whatever it is, and then you get what's left. So that and that's basic commerce. That There's always a middleman, okay? Key is to find the best selection of, of middle entities that take the least but still do the work. Yeah. Um, and that's where pennies can count. So, like, <laughs> so, um, like, even a book like this, again, I told you I have it on both uh, Ingram Spark and Amazon. Each one costs a different dollar amount. And that is all determined. I got to figure out whether when I look at those, where do I order it from for my con sales? And that dollar amount, does that include shipping? Which it doesn't if you're buying, buying wholesale. Uh, and does that include which, which paper looks best? Which format looks best? There's a lot of different things to look at there. So it's crazy. That's actually why I also, like I said, stop by the booth, grab a card. I'm willing to talk to anybody and, and offer that where I can help kind of go through all of those options. But they're also find the great groups out there. I, I, I cannot recommend more 20 bucks to 50K. It's a fantastic group, uh, especially for self-pub authors. Okay. Um, we are now at the hour mark. 
Are there any final questions? No? Okay. So thank you very much for attending my rambling lecture and thoughts. Uh, I hope I see you downstairs, but I didn't get down there because I only got a half an hour to sell more stuff. So. <laughs> this has been a production of Section 28 Publishing and the One-Legged GM. Copyright 2021. Permission granted for use in any non-commercial endeavor with all other rights reserved.